Hello, and welcome to the final report on January 6th, a reading. I am your host, Robert Keniston. This is episode 25. In this episode, we'll conclude chapter 6, Be There, Will Be Wild. Reading this portion of the report is Jules Bruff. So, without further ado, let's continue. 6.13. Trump is supposed to order us to the Capitol. On the evening of December 27th, President Trump boosted the upcoming event on Twitter. See you in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Don't miss it. Information to follow. The select committee learned that this tweet came after the White House spoke with former Trump staffer Justin Caporale, who was asked to help produce the Ellipse rally. That same evening, the president had dinner with Donald Trump Jr. and his girlfriend, Kimberly Guilfoyle, who spoke with rally organizer Caroline Wren during the meal. Wren also texted Guilfoyle talking points that described her ambitions for the event, saying that buses of people are coming in from all over the country to support you. It's going to be huge. We are also adding in programming for the night of January 5th. After Guilfoyle's call with Wren, there was a series of calls among the senior White House staff, likely underscoring the seriousness of the White House's interest in the event. Within a few days, the White House began to take a more direct role in coordinating the rally at the Ellipse. In a December 29th text with Wren, Caporelli wrote that after the president's planned speech, there may be a call to action to march to the Capitol and make noise. This is the earliest indication uncovered by the select committee that the president planned to call on his supporters to march on the U.S. Capitol. But it wasn't the last. On January 2nd, rally organizer Katrina Pearson informed Wren that President Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, had said the president was going to call on everyone to march to the Capitol. Inside the White House, the president's intent was well known. Cassidy Hutchinson's an aide to Meadows recalled in her testimony that she overheard discussions to this effect toward the end of December or early January. One such discussion included an exchange between Meadows and Rudolph Giuliani that occurred on January 2nd. Hutchinson understood that President Trump wanted to have a crowd at the Capitol in connection with what was happening inside, the certification of the electoral count. Hutchinson also recalled that President Trump's allies in Congress were aware of the plan. During a call with members of the House Freedom Caucus, the idea of telling people to go to the Capitol was discussed as a way to encourage Congress to delay the Electoral College certification and send it back to the states. On January 4th, WFAF's Kylie Kremer informed Mike Lindell, the CEO of MyPillow, and an ally of President Trump that POTUS is going to have us march there, the Supreme Court, the Capitol, but emphasized that the plan stays only between us. The Stop the Steal coalition was aware of the president's intent. On January 5th, Ali Alexander sent a text to a journalist saying, Ellipse, then U.S. Capitol. Trump is supposed to order us to the Capitol at the end of his speech, but we will see. 
6.14. Well, I should walk with the people. President Trump wanted to personally accompany his supporters on the march from the Ellipse to the U.S. Capitol. During a January 4th meeting with staffers and event organizer Katrina Pearson, President Trump emphasized his desire to march with his supporters. Well, I should walk with the people, Pearson recalled President Trump saying. Though Pearson said she did not take him seriously, she knew that he would absolutely want to be with the people. Pearson pointed out that President Trump did the drive-by the first time and the flyover the second time, a reference to the November and December 2020 protests in Washington, D.C. During these previous events, President Trump made cameo appearances to fire up his supporters. Now, as January 6th approached, the president again wanted to be there on the ground as his supporters marched on the U.S. Capitol. The president's advisors tried to talk him out of it. White House senior advisor Max Miller shot it down immediately because of concerns about the president's safety. Pearson agreed, but President Trump was persistent. He floated the idea of having 10,000 National Guardsmen deployed to protect him and his supporters from any supposed threats by left-wing counter-protesters. Miller again rejected the president's idea, saying that the National Guard was not necessary for the event. Miller testified that there was no further conversation on the matter. After the meeting, Miller texted Pearson, Just glad we killed the National Guard in a procession. That is, President Trump briefly considered having the National Guard oversee his procession to the U.S. Capitol. The president did not order the National Guard to protect the U.S. Capitol or to secure the joint session proceedings. Although his advisors tried to talk the president out of personally going, they understood that his supporters would be marching. Pearson's agenda for the meeting reflected the president's plan for the protesters to go to the U.S. Capitol after the rally. But President Trump did not give up on the idea of personally joining his supporters on their march, as discussed further in Chapter 7. 6.15. POTUS Likes the Crazies As Katrina Pearson helped plan the Ellipse rally, she faced another complication. The Stop the Steal movement played an outsized role in promoting January 6th. And now, as the day approached, its leading voices wanted prime speaking gigs, perhaps even on the same stage as President Trump. Roger Stone, Alex Jones, and Ali Alexander were all angling for significant stage time. Pearson knew they were in trouble. In her testimony before the select committee, Pearson cited several concerns, including that Jones and Alexander had played a prominent role in the November 2020 protest in Atlanta, Georgia. This was no ordinary protest. Jones and Alexander had gone into the Georgia Capitol with some inflammatory rhetoric, Pearson explained. When Pearson was asked if Jones and Alexander surrounding the governor's mansion and going into the Capitol were the kind of thing that gave her pause, she responded, absolutely. After the Georgia protest, Pearson explained, the creamers who had helped organize Stop the Steal activities distanced themselves from Jones and Alexander. But there was an additional problem. President Trump wanted to include the Stop the Steal leaders in the January 6th event. 
As Pearson put it in a text message to Kylie Creamer, POTUS likes the crazies. Pearson said that she believed this was the case because President Trump loved people who viciously defended him in public. But their vicious defenses of the president clearly troubled Pearson. Pearson tried to trim the speaker lineup, which still included the Stop the Steal trio of Stone, Jones, and Alexander. She was initially vetoed by the White House after Deputy Chief of Staff for Communications Dan Scavino, who had approved the original psycho list. At one point, she texted Scavino's boss, Mark Meadows, saying, Things have gotten crazy and I desperately need some direction. She was concerned by the possibility of crazy people being included in the event, their incendiary role in Georgia, and the fact that people coming to Washington, D.C. were planning to protest at the U.S. Capitol. Meadows told Pearson that she should take control of the situation and remove the possibility of controversial speakers. Pearson agreed to do so, but the president remained an obstacle. During their January 4th meeting, Pearson tried to convince President Trump to minimize the role of these potentially explosive figures at the Ellipse. She offered to place them at a planned event the night before in Freedom Plaza or on other stages in D.C. on January 6th. She told the president to keep the fringe on the fringe and advised him to eliminate convicted felons that could damage other speakers. President Trump was still unwilling to remove them from the lineup entirely. The president instructed Pearson to give Stone a speaking slot on January 5th and asked for more information about Ali Alexander. After discussing the matter with Scavino, President Trump also requested that Alexander be given a speaking slot. President Trump brought up Ali Alexander just to keep him on the stage not associated with POTUS or main event, Scavino wrote. In the end, the Stop the Steal leaders, Jones, Stone, and Alexander, did not appear on the stage at the Ellipse on January 6, although they did speak at other planned events. Consistent with the president's request about Alexander, POTUS' expectations are to have something intimate and then send everyone over to the Capitol, Pearson explained in a text message to Justin Caporelli and Taylor Butowich. Caporelli redacted this text and others in his early production of documents to the select committee, and he only revealed them after they had already been produced by other witnesses. However, other incendiary voices, in addition to President Trump's, were given time on the ellipse stage. The select committee learned that President Trump's aides warned him against the inclusion of figures like John Eastman and Rudolph Giuliani. Given their false claims about election fraud, the select committee learned that President Trump's aides warned him against the inclusion of figures like John Eastman and Rudolph Giuliani, given their false claims about election fraud. Both men, of course, ended up sharing a stage with him on January 6th. Meadows himself directed that they be allowed to speak. 6.16, January 5th. 2021, Fort Trump. While the Stop the Steal Coalition was not given speaking slots on the Ellipse stage on January 6, its leaders had plenty of opportunities to speak the day before, and they used their platforms to rile up the crowd in Washington, D.C. in advance of the joint session. 
Allie Alexander spoke at an event sponsored by Moms for America in front of the U.S. Capitol. Alexander claimed that he was honored to be sharing the same stage with President Trump the following day, even though behind the scenes his appearance had been nixed. We must rebel. Alexander told rally-goers. I'm not even sure if I'm going to leave D.C. We might make this Fort Trump, right? Alexander said, while standing in front of the U.S. Capitol. We're going to keep fighting for you, Mr. President. On his Twitter account, Alexander also spread the idea that President Trump's supporters should occupy areas of Washington, D.C., using the phrases and hashtags such as Fort Trump and hashtag Occupy D.C. Alex Jones and Roger Stone spoke at a separate event hosted by Virginia Women for Trump in front of the Supreme Court. The event, named the One Nation Under God Prayer Rally, was co-hosted by the American Phoenix Project. The Three Percenter Linked group run by Alan Hostetter and Russell Taylor, discussed above, which is charged with conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding. Jones repeated his claims about the election being stolen, claiming that those in attendance stood against a satanic world government. Stone led a Stop the Steal chant, claiming the evidence of election fraud is not only growing, it is overwhelming and it is compelling. President Trump won the majority of the legal votes cast, and President Trump won this election, Stone said. Nothing less than the fate of Western civilization was at stake according to Stone. Let's be very clear. This is not a fight between Republicans and Democrats. This is not a fight between liberals and conservatives. This is a fight for the future of the United States of America. It is a fight for the future of Western civilization as we know it. It's a fight between dark and light. It's a fight between the godly and the godless. It's a fight between good and evil, and we dare not fail, or we will step out into 1,000 years of darkness. Stone claimed that they renounce violence, and those on the left are the violent ones. But he insisted that nothing is over until we say it is, and victory will be ours. Both Taylor and Hostetter spoke as well. Hostetter told the crowd, We are at war. Taylor promised to fight and bleed, vowing that patriots would not return to our peaceful way of life until this election is made right. A long rally was also hosted at Freedom Plaza, an open-air space on Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. It is a symbolic protest site standing in the direct line between the White House and the U.S. Capitol. Stone, Jones, and Alexander all appeared at Freedom Plaza on the evening of January 5th. Their remarks were incendiary. Stone repeated his apocalyptic language from earlier in the day, claiming that rally-goers were embroiled in an epic struggle for the future of this country between dark and light. I want them to know that 1776 is always an option, Ali Alexander said. These degenerates in the deep state are going to give us what we want or we are going to shut this country down. When Alex Jones took the stage, he screamed at the crowd, It's 1776! Another speaker that evening was Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Tomorrow, tomorrow, trust me, the American people that are standing on the soil 
that we are standing on tonight, and they're going to be standing on this soil tomorrow. This is soil that we have fought over and fought for, and we will fight for in the future, Flynn also told the crowd. Flynn addressed members of Congress, saying, Those of you who are feeling weak tonight, those of you who don't have the moral fiber in your body, Get some tonight because tomorrow we, the people, are going to be here and we want you to know that we will not stand for a lie. We will not stand for a lie. 6.17. Together, we will stop the steal. On the evening of January 5th, the president edited the speech he would deliver the next day at the Ellipse. The president's speechwriting team had only started working on his remarks the day before. Despite concerns from the speechwriting team, unfounded claims coming from Giuliani and others made their way into the draft. The initial draft circulated on January 5th emphasized that the crowd would march to the U.S. Capitol. That evening, President Trump convened an impromptu gathering in the Oval Office with members of his staff, primarily his press team, and White House Deputy Chief of Staff Dan Scavino, who was in charge of President Trump's personal Twitter account. Despite the bitter cold, the president ordered his staff to keep the door to the Rose Garden open so he could hear the music and cheering from his supporters at Freedom Plaza. The music playing at Freedom Plaza was so loud you could feel it shaking in the oval. As President Trump listened, he was tweeting, at one point telling his supporters he could hear them from the Oval Office. His speechwriters incorporated those tweets into a second draft of the speech that was circulated later that evening. The following appeared in both tweet form and was adapted into the speech. All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen by the emboldened radical left Democrats. Our country has had enough. They won't take it anymore. Together we will stop the steal. In speaking with staff, he still seemed optimistic that Congress would take some sort of action in his favor. The White House photographer, who was also in attendance, recalled that President Trump again remarked that he should go to the Capitol the next day and even asked about the best route to get there. The president peppered staff for ideas concerning how we could make the rhinos do the right thing and make the next day big. Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Matthews, who was present in the Oval Office that evening, understood that President Trump wanted to get Republican members of Congress to send the electoral votes back to the states rather than certify the election. Matthews recalled that initially no one spoke up in response since they were trying to process what he had said. Eventually, Deere suggested that President Trump should focus his speech on his administration's accomplishments rather than his claim that the election had been stolen. But the president told Deere that while they had accomplished a lot, the crowd was going to be fired up and angry the next day because they believed the election had been stolen and was rigged. President Trump knew the crowd was angry because he could hear them. Of course, President Trump was responsible, more than any other party, for ginning up their anger. President Trump ended the evening by asking an aide how many people were going to be at the rally. The aide responded that he was not sure, but told President Trump that he saw videos on Twitter of pro-Trump people chanting on planes headed to D.C., which he asked to be shared with Scavino. 
We will not let them silence our voices, the president told the crowd from the podium at the ellipse. We're not going to let it happen. I'm not going to let it happen. His supporters started chanting, fight for Trump, fight for Trump. The president thanked them. President Trump knew not only that his supporters were angry, but also that some of them were armed. At times, he ad-libbed, deliberately stoking their rage even more. At one point, he said, and we fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. The word fight, or a variation thereof, appeared only twice in the prepared text. President Trump would go on to utter the word 20 times during his speech at the ellipse. President Trump had summoned a mob, including armed extremists and conspiracy theorists, to Washington, D.C. on the day the joint session of Congress was to meet. He then told that same mob to march on the U.S. Capitol and fight. They clearly got the message. This podcast has been a production of 2008 Studios under a contract with SAG-AFTRA. Casting support services has been provided by Breakdown Services. The recordings herein are property of 2008 LLC. Any inquiries to collaborate or contact can be sent to info at 2008.com. That's info at 20-08.com. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please feel free to share this podcast. And, of course, please subscribe to be updated on future episodes. Thank you for listening.